This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where the great news, Chris, is that the poke bar that we've been raving about for some time, now at every location. There's nothing better than pokey news. Oh, yeah. So that's that's happening at all three Zupan's locations. Mm-hmm. And, and I will tell you, it is excellent. The pokey, there are different varieties. Yeah. And for the price per pound, you can just load up a dish, oh, yeah. a little bowl. Yep. And it's a great lunch. It's a great snack. Cool anything. rice, warm rice. They've got both. It's great. Yes. And I don't, I don't put a lot of rice in. I just view it as a better value. Right, sure. Fish. Sure. Oh, yeah. So that's my little quiet. No <laughs> one's listening. Um, also, they have the coming up on June 3rd. Mark your calendars. I love these kind of things. Taste of summer uh, going on at all three stores, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. They're going to be doing summer samplings of different products. Awesome. All, all over. So that's a great... Hey, great free food. Get yourself into zoo pans. Absolutely. And uh, meanwhile, at the Lake Grove, they've got those big dinners happening in the Breezeway, happening throughout the summer, and you buy tickets as easy as going to zoopans.com. That's right. And then you have a fantastic outdoor. Uh, it, they they set up a long table in the Breezeway. That's, and it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. I, I appreciate those types of events. Yep. Very nice. So again, zoopans.com is where you go to get those tickets for the big dinners in the Breezeway. And also, yes, if you subscribe there, you're going to get lots of good information for savings Mm -hmm. on their great food. Yep. This is Portland's Food Scene Podcast, and it's a return guest today. Love uh, the return guest. Well, we're in year four. That's going to happen. Yeah, it's ba- bound to happen. Uh, by the way, that's uh, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm uh, Court Johnson here with you today on this great episode. It's always it's always nice to be here with you. Thanks, Chris. You as well. I appreciate it. Yeah, we've had it. We've I'm had just a happy. Good time doing this. I'm just happy because I want to give some context. Uh, granted, I don't speak up very often in these interviews, but I speak up less in this one. Because I had the kind of the weird microphone the entire time. I had this microphone that would only extend up to about my knees. And so I'd have to kind of squat down to talk. So I'm happy during these. It was good exercise. You could have been like one of those bobbing uh, dodo birds or something. Boy, is my heart a beaten. But no, I'm happy at least now during the intros, Chris, that I have my very own normal microphone you're in front more, of my face. You're more comfortable. You're you're a broadcasting professional. Only because they pay me. <laughs> what would you be doing if they didn't pay you? It's a great idea. Yeah, well, next time, that answer on the next right at the, the fork, there we go. we'll come up with that. Yeah. But I just wanted to say, I'm going to, uh, today, how about this? Toro Bravo, Tasty and Sons, Tasty and Alder, Mediterranean Exploration Company, Shalom Y'all, Pollo Bravo, BYH Burgers, Plaza del Toro, La Ruta uh, del Toro, and La Ruta PDX uh, coming up, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. But uh, when we had John Gorham and his wife Renee on the podcast episode... 71. 71. All right. That, so that was less than half ago. That yeah, was somewhere in that second year. Right. So if you listen to that... Um, at the time, they only had a few of these restaurants, um, so a lot has happened in a year and a half Oh yeah, for uh, John Gorham. And in that episode, I s- strongly suggest you listen to it because we talk a lot about their philosophies and their restaurants, 
and what's going on now in Toro and Tasty. What we didn't do was talk about John's background, mm-hmm. uh, which you can find in his book, Toro we Bravo. We skimmed over it a little bit. Yeah, we Very skim- minimally. Right. But this time we're going to go a little deeper back into North Carolina and Virginia and South Carolina and Georgia, Savannah. No. Uh, and make our way across the country. To and Eugene, where a, a wild night changed his life forever. Yes, exactly. I wonder if he's been to Hawaii, uh, he's been to Hawaii since, because he talked about his macanabia yeah. nut problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of my favorite people, and I've always maintained, uh, I don't know what the benchmark would be, but if you were to cite uh, one, cite Portland's most successful ra- restaurateur, no one would argue with you if you put oh, sure. yeah. John Gorham on the on the top of this list. Yep. So it is um, it's an honor to be able to have him come on and speak so candidly and to know John. And uh, I think everybody, I hope you, everybody who lis- who's listening uh, feels they're going to know him a little better after this podcast coming on right now. While you're listening to the podcast with John, you'll want to check out La Ruta PDX, the festival he's developed celebrating the best of Spain here in Portland. There are great dinners and events going on from July 13th through the 16th throughout the city. Get on them right now at larutapdx.com. Also, our hosts Chris and John Gorham's Mediterranean Exploration Company with Chef Casey Mills are collaborating on a Portland Food Adventures event at Langolo Estates in Newburgh on June 24th. You can check that out at portlandfoodadventures.com. Is that good? You're going to be closer to Chris than you. All right, is that good? Yeah, you don't want to. Okay. No one wants right. to be this close to me. You say that's like a bad thing. Come on. No, I we're, know. we're all friends I'm here. I'm just kidding. It's just it's a very intimate studio we have here. Especially now. Behind the scenes. Half the mics we used to be. Um, but I'd like to go a little behind the scenes with you. All right. Last time you were on, Renee was here, mm-hmm. and you ha- I just noted today you were opening, it was right before you were opening Mediterranean Exploration Company. Yeah. So at the time, you had three restaurants already going on to a fourth. Now you got a lot. Yep. So how many? Uh, seven. Seven. I, I wrote them all down in uh, in a large font so I yeah. could easily <laughs> reference them because it's hard. It's hard Se- to keep seven them. and pretty much like with the office now, it's an eighth company. Right. Yeah. Well, the office in Plaza, Pla, do you consider Plaza del Toro? We, well, that's on as a restaurant. So, oh, but the office is in the back, and that's doing all the back house stuff for all the restaurants. So, that's, right. uh, that's a little small company of its own. So, when we have you back in another year and a half, two years, how many do you think you'll? I'm getting tired. <laughs> all right. We... Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I'm hitting critical mass here. You know, I think there's one or two up our sleeves, you know, right now that we want to play with, but we're, we'll see. But you say that, and then two years from now, something else will come up. I don't know. I'm not Kurt. Yeah. Kurt Kurt says that and opens up ten restaurants after he says it. Yeah. I I I really I'm I'm learning the the, the power of the word no. Yeah, and yeah. enjoying your life. You just yeah. went to you just went to Japan. Yeah. That was just that was pure enjoyment. Was there some work involved with that? You know, there's always you know research and development going on. You know, ideas and you know taking notes, but for the main part, it was it was it was enjoyment. Not relaxation. Uh, that 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 country is not relaxing at all. Well, that and you had your kids there yeah. too, so it's I not can just... relax with the kids, but that you know, in certain environments, but not that one. Yeah, no, it's. I've never been. I'd love to. Was this your first trip? First time. Yeah. Very good. Amazing. So, would you agree with uh, Anthony Bourdain's comment when he was here? When someone asked him if you could only eat in one more place for the rest of your life, where would it be? He said Tokyo. Mm, I wouldn't agree. What would you, where, what would your answer be? 
Either Madrid or Barcelona. I think okay. it'd still be Spain. I, you know, here's the thing about Spain and Japan that I felt comparing as both countries love the finer things, the, like the perfect tomato, the perfect piece of fish, the perfect steak. Japan isn't stopping to enjoy life too much. It's, it's you know, the restaurants are so efficient. You know, you're in and out in 30 minutes. You're not, we would, we'd be walking around and I'd, I'd want to just grab a beer or a glass of wine and just people watch and there's nowhere to do that it's not everyone's just go 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 that's interesting yeah and you know you pointed out that kind of segues back to because i'd like to go to your childhood and talk a little bit about how you how your yeah. food uh, yeah how your interest in food was born um but that was one of the things you pointed out to me when we first met was that uh what you really love to embody in your restaurant is the picture yeah. and being able to put a picture down and yeah. have people pass that picture so that goes to your North Carolina roots and your Virginia roots. Yeah, the whole Southeast, you know. And I, you know, I, I always, I always actually, if I had to like go back to first food memories of someone who pushed food food boundaries for me, uh, I had godparents that were for, that were from Haiti. Uh, they they had taken my mom had me when she was really young, and this family just loved my mom and myself and took us in, and we had a long relationship with this, this family growing up. Uh, it was Helen and Walter Reynolds, and and they they loved food. And they would always have exotic things in the kitchen. And at like three or four years old, I'd go over. And those are my first memories. Our relationship started earlier. But I always remember going to Helen's house and smelling something great and being like, what is that? And and she'd, you know, give me a serving. And I'd take like the normal kid, take a bite and be like, oh, like, like that. And she's like, no, no, you're going to try that. You, I've made it for you. It's in front of you. And then it just, you know, really, I think it expanded the palate. And, you know, I, I started really loving food young. And that was in... Greenville? That was in Virginia. Virginia that was that was that was in. Yeah, I, I left Virginia when I was four. So that's. Do you but like remember? Said, so do you remember Virginia? You a do a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember much before I was four. Yeah, although, I, I definitely remember Helen and Walter and, and being over there. And know. they didn't stick with you. And then. we and we always visited them too. Oh, you know, no, we always visited, and they actually ended up in North Carolina with us. Um, create some crazy stories. There's some stories in the Torah book about that for like living in a small town where they came to visit us and the 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 racism that that came with that. And that, of course, has gone away. All the racism is gone now. Uh, it's, you know, I, I just went back to that town, and it was a lot different. That town is on the on the other side of the mountain from Asheville. So, from from my remember my my early uh, memories of that town it was Shelby. Uh, I remember being very redneck, and you know, we, like I said, a lot of took a lot of heat for having a you know a black family live with us while they were building their house, and we actually had a couple crosses burned in our front yard at one point. And when I just went back a year and a half ago, it was like hippie town, you know, breweries and, you know, you know, you know hoedown kind of, you know, hippie, hippie kind of culture going on. Well, it's good that it's changed a lot. Yeah. Do you remember what your thoughts were when you saw those horrible things happening as a kid? And yeah, it was, yet it identified was, it was, they were horrible. Was, you had to decide It was terrifying. For it was terrifying. You know, <laughs> I, I, we, we got out of there quick. We only lived in that town for like six months. Uh, is that why? I think so. You know, none of us were happy there. Yeah. So then you went to North Carolina and then... Um, how long we left? There? We left that, that Shelby was North Carolina. We left there to go to Myrtle Beach. That was this was third grade. Oh, South Carolina. Yeah. Okay, you're yeah. all over the place. Yeah. You're yeah. all over the lot. So we stayed in. My 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 stepfather opened up Kroger's. All he started in North Myrtle Beach and then went down the Myrtle's Inlet area. So we stayed there a lot, but we kind of kept moving down as he moved stores. So um, those, I think, everything that you learned there is embodied in your tasty restaurants. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So, um, and well, that it led me to Toro Bravo. I mean, as a, as coming up as a chef, you know, I I one thing I I started studying 
and you know was was trade routes and trying trying to identify why you know certain trade routes happen. And I you know I lived in Ghana when I was in my early twenties, so right away I saw the connection of the African cuisine to the Southern food. You know the the grilling, the greens, the okra, the tomatoes, and uh, from there I was like I want to know more. And so I started studying it a lot, and you saw, and all of a sudden you saw the French and the Spanish connection, and you know heavy Spanish, and uh, that you know that led me to geeking out on Spanish food. So you're obviously a studied person. Were you a good student in school? <clears throat> was... You know, I, I could I could ace the test, but I was I was I was a hellion in the classroom. Oh really? Yeah. And um, did you get in any any particular trouble that you can now? Out yourself? Oh, I was, yeah, I was, eighth eighth grade was my, my, it's funny, my oldest daughter's getting ready to go into eighth grade, and I was like, this is when the boys go nuts, and that's, that's for me, I I, I definitely was completely out of control in eighth grade. And so what was the worst trouble you got into? You know, dumb, dumb stuff, we, we, we got a hold of some firecrackers once, and lit off some firecrackers on a bus, school bus, and got kicked off, and then at the same time, we, when we got kicked off, we were going through some neighborhoods trying to walk home. And we set off some fireworks on someone's trampoline and burnt the trampoline down, and we did. And a whole, ended up we, in the back of a police car, and I, I got kicked off of you know I got kicked off of Savannah, Georgia's school bus system for two years. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, good yeah. for you. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, the community service, and yeah, fireworks were a dangerous. And I wasn't thing like I wasn't like stealing and, or robbing or, or or doing drugs, but we were just being stupid. Yeah, and, I think that's yeah. kind of where I was too. I don't, yeah, wasn't but, being yeah. terrible, but. We did almost with fireworks would get you in a lot of trouble, and you were nearby south of the border. Which oh was, yeah, like we used to actually drive down there to pick stuff up to bring it back. Oh, we lived in Myrtle Beach, you right, know, like, and right so there. we were. Bring, I was bringing the stuff with me when I moved to Savannah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we actually, you you mentioned uh, getting in a little trouble with fireworks. We let a whole fe- this person's field on fire and almost got to their house, and we Jeez. were praying, yeah. "Please let the fire and just <laughs> yeah. take care yeah. of this." Yep. Um, so. Uh, and what got you from uh, from the southeast to Portland? How did you get to Portland? When I um, so my, my my again my you know tr- following my my stepfather around, we ended up in Greenville uh, with with Kroger still. He went to go do the remodel there, and uh, we got asked to go. He, he actually Kroger's was getting ready to go through some big takeover, and he quit and he wanted to be closer to his parents. So we moved up to Newport News, Virginia. And and when we moved there, there the high school. I, so our, my, the high school in North Carolina had had like you know home ec type stuff. So I was always taking the cooking classes. But the high school I ended up at had a culinary program, and it was you, on a different campus for you know four periods. Then you went to lunch, and you came back for four periods. And uh, I got into that, and and one of the the instructors there was married to a chef that was getting ready to take over the apprenticeship program in Williamsburg, Virginia. And so I, I got into that program right out of high school. And, and so that was born from a real interest in cooking. That wasn't because— Oh, I'd already been I cooking. Could... I was already in restaurants at that okay. point. Yeah. And... I got in Savannah. I got my first job in a restaurant. Oh, where? I was 14. I, I it, was, f- it, was, it was a Mexican restaurant there. I'm trying yeah. to—yeah, I don't know if I remember everything. But I spent—that was my home away from home for yeah. years. So uh, I'm trying to remember a lot of the places. But... Yeah, this was all in the Windsor Forest area. So mm-hmm. what's funny, I just was there— Windsor Forest was like the really nice neighborhood at that time, and it's funny now. It's real. I just went back and I was shocked at how run down it was. You know, the South really they just no one wants an old house. It's like you're always moving to the new. You know, the new, yeah, and yeah. then and then then the old houses become rentals, and it gets you know crazy. Hmm. Yep. 
haven't been down there in a while. So, um, but you weren't you weren't just cooking because uh, no, I wanted you, to be a you chef. You were getting I in trouble, and this a... is your way out of it. No, no, I wanted to be a chef from when I was like seven, five. You know, as soon as I could say what I wanted to do, I was always like, I want and to be why? A chef. What? What? Do you remember what it was that that? Yeah, yeah, I loved. Well, one, I loved food, and and two, my my grandfather had a little share and a crab shack in uh, Baltimore. And this was probably about six or seven the first time I went. And I just got to go back in the kitchen and see the energy and love the food. And I was just like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Oh, good. And the other love that I know you have now, and I don't know if you had it as a kid, but you, you do dig cars. Yeah, my, my, my stepdad was a car guy. Okay, so what was the first car that you First had? car I had? Yeah. So it was, I only had it for like four weeks, and my, me and my stepdad, this, this, it, was, it was more his project than mine, but I had a he bought a Pinto station wagon all right and he tried to hot rod it all out and he had like rims and shit on it and it was i was so embarrassed it was like he you know he, he I, like it was one of those things i did it to make him happy and then when i finally got the keys i was like i'm not driving this to school and i, I told my mom how embarrassed i was and I, I ended up getting a uh it was a the car i had all through high school was a ford exp it was like this little two-seater mm-hmm. mustang thing they did it was yeah those Fords back then were pretty shitty, yeah, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, I blew the engine right away. I had a new, you know, I was, yeah. But it, you know, I, I put like I, as much as I, I used to surf and go all up and down the East Coast and see my friends. I think I put one hundred and fifty thousand miles on that car in three years. Nice. Could you work on it? Were you good at a little bit? A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Never been my. I, I liked. Uh, I loved power mechanics in high school because yeah. that was just a to get away and I learned how to tune my Volkswagen. But yeah, that, most, I got into Volkswagens right after right. that. Yeah. Most mostly to go down to the beach to drink yeah. drink six packs during school. Yep. And that was why I like that class. That was fun. Yeah, my next car was like a, a sixty nine Dodge Dart, which I freaking loved. And then I had a Volkswagen bus, seventy nine bus, you know, which I loved. Do you have the uh do you have the desire? Because you know you can go surfing around the internet now and find some beautiful vintage Volkswagen buses yep. and those kind of have any desire to do that? I, you know, I, re- as a car I, re- guy? I rebuilt one seven years ago during Toro. Oh, you did I, I, a seventy-three. Like you didn't have enough to do Westphalia, and I, I like I redid everything on it. The rebuilt the engine, the interior, and it was it was a lot of fun. But then after I drove it at one, I realized that they're so even when you do everything, they're not reliable. Mm-hmm. And two, you know, they're just a pain in the ass. So I don't know. I've I've, I started to, to just be like, I just want to be a one car guy, you know. And you want, you know, you don't have a lot of time. You don't want to be dicking right. with that yeah, when you're yeah. out. And I want reliability. Yeah. I, I learned that when I got a, I had a little interest in vintage watches. And yeah. it wasn't long before I realized, why? Why am yeah. I doing this? Yeah. They're not running. Yeah. So, yeah. same thing. Yeah. So, um, so you were talking about getting to Portland. You Oh, yeah. So, so when I was doing, when I did the apprenticeship at the end of it, uh, the chef went to go open up a country club and, um, in, in Virginia and I went with them and it was a summer job you know for the for the peak season and afterwards I had uh I had done a little bit of work at um the Greenbrier during my apprenticeship as some of the externship stuff mm-hmm. and I ended up working at Snowshoe West Virginia through those connections and then from there I went to uh work at the Wyoming at the Grand Teton Lodge Company oh nice that was on at the time for a short period of time it was owned by the Greenbrier so I went there and then I was going to go to Lanai in Hawaii and uh, I had like a six week period where to, to you know get my stuff together and get over there. Were you so, single at this point? No, no, I was with my ex at that okay. time. But we were just like you know we were young. It wasn't like we were you know super connected at that point. Um, so we were going to go. We were both hired there for Lanai, and we uh, and we ended up in Eugene a ninety three Saturday night seven o'clock at the Eugene celebration. We drove in. 
we were going to fly out of Portland, and we just had the best night of our lives and stayed there for a few years. Oh, we'll stop yep. here. Yep. And then made it. What happened on that night? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's if pretty, you're on your way to Hawaii. Yeah. No, no. We, you know, first off, you know, just connected people that I felt like like minded to ourselves. But we just went. There was a ton of parties we went to. It's a funny story. In the very beginning, we, the friends of friends that were taking us around, we end up on campus on like 12th and Mill. And we, we pull up to this guy's house that we were going to stay with that night. And he was going to take us out to the parties. And he's in a full, like, smoking jacket, suit. And he's got he's in a chair in the middle of a big room with a glass of red wine. And I was like, man, this, his name was Jim. I was like, this, this is an odd character. And he's, like, kind of panting and a little bit stressed out. And I'm like, we were like, what's going on, Jim? What happened? And he's like, I just caught a peeping Tom and looking at my girlfriend taking a shower. And he had he had caught him and tied him up in the backyard and had the cops take him away like ten minutes before we got there. <laughs> so the, the, that's that's uh, that was welcome to Eugene. Yeah, that's welcome to Eugene. Yeah. And we're not going to Hawaii because more of this stuff may happen. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just that was it was pretty much the gist of the night. It was like one rave after party after party, and then by like five in the morning, it's kind of funny. We the whole group I was with were you know we're all wasted and kind of leaving this this college party. I'm I'm 20 years old at the time and. Uh, we had beers and so, and we were getting ready to walk out the house and someone's like, you shouldn't walk out with those beers. And I had just put mine down. Second thought, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably good. And, you know, and two of our friends didn't. And the second they hit the sidewalk, cops came up and took them away. <laughs> that, and that was, that was still your first night. Yeah, so you're, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're yeah, good yeah, at avoiding yeah. trouble. Yeah. That, yeah. that may not have happened in Hawaii. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then. How, what got you to Portland from there? Well, from there I was, uh, I ended up and, and, and I had, I had saved a lot of money from doing the resorts. So, you know, in the resorts, your, your room and boards covered and generally there's a lot of overtime and a lot of work to be done. So I was, I was always pretty frugal there. So when I got to Eugene, I, I had enough to like get a place and, you know, I got a dog and just kind of was like, I'm just going to live a little bit. And so I had taken a couple months off and I needed to work. I was running out of money, but I wasn't running out of money kind of thing. I knew that I needed to supplement, you know, what the spending. So uh, there was an ad in the paper for this restaurant, China Blue, that was a Chinese restaurant on campus. And it was, it wasn't for the restaurant. It was like, I need someone to cook lunch three hours a day, five days, Monday through Friday. And I, you know, some odds and ends done because my husband's, you know, out of the country. So I met this lady, Ely, who was from Malaysia and super awesome lady and phenomenal cook. So I ended up being good friends with her for like nine months. And I would, you know, you know, you know, do work at her house, paint a fence, do, you know, just the odds and ends. And I would cook lunch like three hours a week with her during the lunch pop. And it was, she always had like this kind of cheesy Chinese menu for the students, but there was a secret Malaysian Singapore menu that she cooked for her friends. That was freaking phenomenal. So after about six, nine months of that, I was like, you know, I need to get back in real kitchens and start cooking again. So I got a, I got a real job. And about four months into that, she called me up and she's like, look, my husband wants someone to go to Africa to work at a casino. I want to open the same Chinese menu I have that you've been cooking lunches. I want you to go help him out. And two weeks later, I was in Africa. You know, it was, it was that, that time in life where you could just float around like that. Mm-hmm. And so from and so there, that's a, has that that's influenced some of the, some of the food you're doing? Oh, now? without like a doubt. Out? I mean, okay. that, you know, that was, you know, there was a lot of um, it was in, it was in Accra in Ghana. And there's a lot of it's, you know, it's a lot of expats there. And so, I mean, really, the, the like the French expats would bring in a French chef for a French restaurant. And the Indian guys would do that. And, and all those restaurants were just freaking phenomenal. I mean, they were really, really great food there. 
you know, and you're working with real ingredients, you know, you're, you're foraging and hunting this stuff down. There's no Cisco or, you know, trucks coming. You're, you're meeting the people who are actually, you know, growing or, you know, hunting down your food. And so I, I did that for six months and then came back and I ended up working at Xenon. And, uh, Xenon was, uh, a really big deal in Eugene. It was, it was, it, it was where I found, I always had a hunt to, to master charcuterie and the chef there was really a master of charcuterie. So we were breaking down three pigs and three lambs. A lot of the farmers I work with today came from those relationships from that time. And, um, after three years there, I was, I, I needed more, you know, I felt like I was, I, you know, done every station, gone through the ranks really, you know, there it wasn't, you know, there was, I was capped out. And so I came up to Portland and I, I, I staged at Zephyro and I went down to the Bay area and staged at Citron and I got hired at both and chose to go to the Bay area for a while. I, I really wanted to, to learn the farm to table that was going on there. And I, I spent two years there and, and knew that I wasn't home. I, I wasn't home at all. And after, you know, two years, I came back to Portland and settled my roots. And what, did you feel like you were home? As, yeah, yes. And I, and I had, and the here? whole time I was in the Bay Area, I was coming up here and visiting a lot. You know, by the time I was at Xenon, almost every weekend I was coming to Portland to hang out with friends up here. I knew this is where I wanted to be in the food scene I wanted to be in. But I felt like if I came here from, from Eugene, I, I, I wouldn't have had enough growth. So I went down there to, to, you know, to connect with those chefs. So it sounds like you've always been a pretty social person. So partying was always, has always been a... A little a bit, you know, yeah, life. yeah. There's times. I mean, honestly, in the Bay Area, it wasn't at all. You know, I was, I was, you know, it was a hustle down there to just survive. It, I was in the peak of the, you know, the the dot com era, so it was hard to, you know, pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So it was work all the time. And uh, you know, I I had at one point I had worked at Citron for a year and saved some money, and I took an entire month off. And I was doing this some, some catering, butchering for people, like to help out, supplement things. But I stodged at six different restaurants a week for four weeks just to get in people's kitchens. And that was, that was a big, a big turning point too in the career. Someone should do a Zephyro reunion and find that menu and yeah. do that for all the people like us who weren't here then and yeah. we've heard so much about it. I think it was as much of the menu as it was the vibe. The menu was changing a lot from what, what I remember. Right, but the, I guess yeah. you couldn't recreate no. the vibe in another space. Yeah. So what was the vibe there? What, how would you describe that vibe and how did it influence what you've done later on? It was a party, you know. It was a party in there. It was a good time. You go in there, and it was festive. Which is what you like, yeah, the Toro. Exactly. And you know, they were they were they were doing high end food in in a in a very festive manner, and that's that was my goal. It was, it was in. A, it's really funny that I I chose Citron over that because Citron was a little you know it was white tablecloth and very French bistro and you know very you know proper, where Zephyro was much more of a party. But you know, like like I said, I I needed to go fine tune those those crafts from down there. And was at what point did you say to yourself, "I'm really good at this"? Because you are. Um, I mean, you're incredible at what you do. So there had to be a point. I know, I know it's a continuum. Well, I, you know what? I think I think as most young chefs, I probably was telling myself that way too well, young. That's probably. True. I think I think the, the the question to ask a chef is, what, "What point did you get modest about what you were doing and say, hey, I don't know everything'? I think it's right. the other way." I think if you know you would ask twenty year old self, I'd be like, "I'm the best," but I I wasn't, you know. So looking back now, can yeah. you see when you might have said, "Hey, this is when I started to really come into I think, my own." I think there was a, a point where, like at Xenon, when I had gone through all the stations, that I felt like there was an an enlightenment of of all the things that were going on. I think that's one of the things that I would tell a lot of young chefs is, 
they, you get you get focused in on your own work and stuff and there's a there's a point where you go there's actually a million things going on around me that I'm not aware of and I think that's when you know probably a lot of great chefs become great chefs is when they when they get that enlightenment of of what what all the things that are going on it would be a great time, Chris, for us to talk about our good friends at Standard TV and Appliance. And Gen Air. And Gen Air, both founded in 1947. Exactly. What a coincidence. And they've paired together to support this podcast. We're very happy about that. And if, we have good things to say. Yeah, if you've dreamed of having a, an appliance that is connected to, to your Wi-Fi, for example, that you can control from, you know, maybe the office, Gen Air's got it. And Standard TV and Appliance has the Gen Air. Right. So... You're connected in every other way. Why not set your oven up so it'll start when you're on your way home? Yep, or you got that casserole sitting in there so it turns on and it's ready right when you walk in the door. Exactly. And this is this is the wave of the future, so get in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to have that. So I think it's great that we have standard TV and appliance, which is locally owned and Oregon-based. It's awesome. I agree. That's what we're looking for on this podcast. And um, also, they're so kind as to, if you've shopped for a Gen Air appliance, mm-hmm. Use the word fork, and don't just say fork. Right. Don't don't walk up to the salesperson while you're purchasing the Gen Air and wink and say fork. Right. You I, need to just say, I heard this on right at the fork, and hopefully they'll know what you were talking about. But again, we suggest you say that anyway when you walk in the door. Right. And the reason why is because they'll uh, they'll include a five-year warranty on your Gen Air appliance. Oh, thanks for yeah. supplying that information. Yeah, no, <laughs> you could just mention, hey, by the way, I listened to Right at the Fork. But right, but five-year warranty is pretty there's good. There's a benefit to it. Yes, exactly. They've got uh, five locations to serve you, so pretty much wherever you are, they are too. Right, there's one right there on uh, Sandy mm-hmm. that's that's great with a great showroom. Yep. And also, standardtvandappliance.com. If you go to our website, rightatthefork.com, you can click through and it'll take you right to the Gen Air portion of Standard TV and Appliance website. Did you have designs on... Running seven restaurants one day? Did you? Is that no, something you? No, no. I was, I was. I, I I, think... There was a young point where I was just like, I'm going to be fortunate if I have one. Right. And did that did that take a long time to get from when you were thinking that to when you actually? Well, yeah. In the '90s, you know, it was the it was the era of the hot hotel chef restaurants and the big, you know, the big, you know, you heard about the you know 30 investors and you know like chefs getting a piece of it and golden handcuffs and those era. So. It was definitely, uh, you know, moving to Portland and getting here at the right time and being able to become my own man was uh, was I think that's every chef's dream. I think everyone wants that. And I think there's just right times for the right places for people like that. So what was and I know it's in the book, but what was the um, genesis of Toro Bravo? How did that come about? How did you meet Ron, your partner there? So it really started with, uh, you know, Again, wanting to be my own man at that point and, and trying to figure out those leaps, I, I bought Beyond Meats and Sausage inside City Market, which is now Chop. And uh, that was, you know, me saying, okay, I got to figure, I'm going to fight, kick, and scream to be my own boss. I don't want to work for people anymore. I have too many ideas of my own that no one wants to listen to. And uh, so I, I did, I, I, you know, I, I bought that and kind of turned it around and flipped it and got started getting some buzz on it. But I was completely not content you know, behind a butcher counter selling cuts of meat. That wasn't what I really wanted to do. And so I, I started Simpatica and with Simpatica it was, you know, I was like, let's start a supper club that could be experimental. I just want to, I want to figure out what I want to do. I had, I and had some what ideas. Was that? What? that was, um, I, I started Simpatica. Oh, four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, four. It wasn't even that long ago, really, but no. Um, yeah, not really. 
So when I started that, it was um, it was really to push it. I, it, it was one, there was one restaurant that I had, you know, with charcuterie and stuff. And what I wanted to do that I had I had I had always talked about. It was kind of funny the the path you end up going on. And the, the one that I had brought to to Simpatica and beyond, I was always was a restaurant in Berkeley called Cafe Rouge, and it was uh it was it was down on the kind of the waterfront area, and it was um it was a butcher shop market restaurant. And so, you know, that's kind of why I was trying to tie all that in. And so, it's, you know, and, and so I started with, with the Sympatica thing, just playing around with different fun things. You know, we'd go to, you know, we'd go to, you know, Boston and we'd come back and do, you know, a lobster bake and lobster rolls. We'd go to South Carolina and do. Butter or mayonnaise on the lobster rolls? I, I like both. Okay. I mean, together at <laughs> together, the same time. Together, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, from from there, I I started do, I started doing the Spanish tapas dinners. It was something I was cooking a lot at home. I was making a lot of paellas at home. And and what inspired uh, you to do that? What was the 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 tapas dinners? Yeah, just or just geeking out. Not, uh, well, well, studying nothing the you've described food. so far had was a Spanish well, restaurant. Well, geeking or... out Southern. Yeah, exactly. At that point, I, re- I really I think Toro was a flip of the switch for me, a light bulb moment. And you know, one thing I was always trying to look at is what were the holes? What what did Portland need? And, um, so I started doing the Spanish tapas dinners at Toro just for myself. They were just to have fun, you know, and I, I could name a million different dinners we did there that could have clicked like that. But when we started those, they would sell out and it would be like, you know, like huge waiting lists. So Toro was just, was like a supper club to start. Is well, that... no, it's still Simpatica at this point. Oh, it's so, okay. It's yeah. Simpatica. Yeah. Toro, yeah. Sorry. sorry. So Simpatica. Yeah. So, um, so then one night. You know, we're, we're doing one and um, was really shorthanded with the staff and no one really could help me until later in the night. So I'd gotten in really early and I literally I just I'd cooked the whole freaking menu myself and then got some help in. And right when we started the first round of tapas, this guy comes in the back door into the kitchen. I don't know if you've ever been to Zapatica. It's got this weird little mm-hmm. back door to the kitchen. And the guy mm-hmm. comes in. He goes, hey, uh. I heard something good things about this place. Is there's a dinner going on tonight? We're like, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, we just started, and he's like, is there any chance I can get in? We're like, yeah, come on in. You know, have a seat. And you know, we did the dinner and didn't think much of it. And the guy had a great time, but we didn't know who he was. But ended up being the main writer for USA Today, Jerry Shriver, and then USA Today rated that the number one meal in the world for 2006. That came out like you know a few months later. Did and you ever find out find out how he stump how he stumbled upon this? Just word of mouth. Okay. Yeah. And so we, uh, I went to my partners and I said, look, you know, I want to do Toro Bravo. I'm, I knew it was going to be Toro Bravo. I was like, I want to do a Spanish restaurant. And they were a little nervous. And you about had it. that name in your mind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a tattoo of a bull. And so uh, already the, the, the logo is from a tattoo from previous. And uh, they were nervous about it and d- they didn't want to do it. You know, they were like, you know, they wanted to put some, you know, kind of some, you know, Basically, they were like, we don't think it'll be as profitable as what we're doing, so we want to change the shares of the company and stuff like that. And I was like, no, I'm out. So we, we got a buyout, and I bought a ticket to Barcelona and went over there and started studying. And I really thought I was going to take about six months off to study more and, and things. And, and then I, someone emailed me a link to the space where Toro Bravo's in, and it was just one of those connections. I was like, that's the building. I want to be there. How long had you been in Barcelona when you got that email? I had just gotten there, yeah. Oh, so, so then I put up, I put up offering on it, and you know, got the space, came back. You know, me and Matt, the owner of the building, went to a Blazers game, hashed out the details, and I was building out a restaurant in like two months. And so you didn't get to stay in Barcelona? That no, long? no, I, I stayed for my trip. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah. I stayed for my trip. How long was that? Oh, I did like a week. Yeah. It was like it was like two weeks in Europe and a week in Barcelona. Still not. You were saying you wanted to stay six months. No, no, I, no. I just wanted six months off. I wasn't going to oh, stay there for six oh, months. Oh, okay. I just wanted to, you know, you know, you know, practice at so, home. So, what was your first moment in Barcelona when you said, "Holy shit, this is pretty cool"? Oh, definitely the Bucaria. You know, yeah. I, I I wrote the Ford for the Pinocho book, and I mm-hmm. and I really believe it. I think that's the the center of the universe for food is you know Pinocho. It's it's like. Any any foodie who goes to, to to Spain for the first time usually goes to Barcelona, and the first place you go is Pinocho. And it's the first place yep, you yeah, see. Yep. And Juanito. Yeah. Um, the barista there. Yeah. So that's uh, I've had the I've had the fortune good fortune. Yeah. To go a few times. So um, and then uh, so now that influences has you doing a festival. Yeah. So you, yes. Gotten, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other restaurants, but let's talk about uh, La Ruta del Toro. Yep. Yep. Um, PDX. Talk, La Ruta PDX. La Ruta PDX. I knew that. That's La Ruta del Toro is our uh, is the events we do at the restaurant, but La, Ru- La Ruta PDX is going to be the Spanish. It's getting store. confusing because know, we have that. You got Plaza, <laughs> and and let me tell uh, you this: the last time you were here, I think I asked. What is the what do we call your organization? You know, because you can call Kurt's thing Chef's Table. We know that. And then I think you at one point said Brave Bull. But yeah, the that's Brave not, Bulls is kind of what we call it in the inside. That's but, what, but but what yeah. are your invoices say? What is the Toro Bravo Inc. Toro Bravo Inc. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the festival and what's what's what you have planned for that. Well, you know, we we, we went to Gastronomica last year, and I got to speak there for the Synergy uh, Conference, and uh, just realize that, you know what I saw there compared to a lot of the festivals here was it was more of a celebration of the products that the chefs were using and a trade show. And so is that what you anticipated when you went? I didn't know what to anticipate. I mean, you know, everything you see on like all the documentaries and stuff are these big stages with chefs doing, you know, like new techniques and stuff. So you don't really see the trade show, which is actually the majority of gastronomica. And so I, uh, I was like, you know, 10 years ago when I started Toro Bravo, it was really hard to get Spanish products. Like I'd, the first time I got Cedra, I had a, you know, I had a, I hunted it down for like two months during the time of building out Toro. It came from Boise and it was like two years past the expiration date, but we got it anyways to serve it because we wanted to have it. There was, you know, like a lot of the Spanish wines just weren't available. It was, you know, the Sherry's, you know, list was nothing. The, you know, the Spanish seafood, the octopus, the anchovies, all, you know, the shrimp, they, those weren't here. Um, you know, so, and then, you know, Viridian was just getting its balls rolling. So even some of the produce was, you know, hard, we could get Perjones two months a year and, and the, the list was pretty tiny from that. And so I really reflected, I was like, Portland has become, a, a, you know, probably one of the hubs for Spanish cuisine in the world, if, you know, if not one of the best in the United States. And I, I want to celebrate that. I want to, you know, I, I've never, you know, like, especially with like the other restaurants, I've never, competition, I don't look at it as competition. I look at it as we're all celebrating the Spanish spirit and I, I want to bring everyone together and, and, and do that and celebrate these products that we get to work with every day now. So I would imagine though, in the beginning when you had Toro Bravo, uh, you weren't necessarily hoping that more Spanish restaurants would come in. Now you're celebrating it and that's great. Did, is it now easier to get product? Because you've got a number of different Spanish restaurants in town. Well, without a doubt, and I think also the you know I think for for us what we contributed was, you know, a distributor they'll bring something in, but if you can't sell it, it's going to go away. And we always committed if we wanted something, we'd always tell our purveyor, be like, trust me, we will sell everything you buy. 
and we've always kept that commitment. So I think, you know, we helped build that pantry as well. Oh, yeah. Well, you helped build the whole thing. There's no doubt about it. And now you've got how many? Yeah. And, and, now, and now other people are asking for other things. And so we're seeing the pantry grow. It's getting bigger and bigger because right. other people's influences and what they want to bring in. And fortunately for us, we get to get, use those, those products as well. Yeah, I would imagine collectively, because it seems like, as far as I'm concerned, my knowledge, you were there for a while, and then Jose opened up Ch- uh, Atala, and now all of a sudden we're seeing a few more, Bar Casavale and yep. uh, Urdaneta. Confont, right? Confont's about to open. Confont, that's going to be big. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's you're right. It's all of a sudden Portland, Oregon is this, on the other side of the country. Yeah. Is uh, is a hotbed of Spanish cuisine. No, you know, I've never been afraid of it. I've, I've been excited for it, watching it happen. You know, unfortunately, I, with my with my restaurants, it's it's hard for me to get out as much as I'd like. But you know, I just ate at Chesa and had freaking phenomenal meal, and it just took me right back to Barcelona eating there. And you know, when I get out, I'm really excited about it. But you know, I just I just went to uh, um, uh, Bar Casavale and just had a really fun cocktail experience there, and just beautiful space and. So I'm, I'm, I try to get out, but I also I make a commitment to try to eating one service at all the restaurants, and that's a week right there. You know, so right. you know, just checking up on them and seeing how they're performing. And you've got yeah, and now it used to be when you said that you only had three to go to, or right? Four. Yeah, now you, yeah. now you've got seven. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's, I, I don't I don't always accomplish that, but it's uh, especially if I'm you know trying to push go out to other places so what's the festival going to look like it's in july july 13th to the 16th okay and what's it going to look like well you know it's gonna it's going to be four days the first day we're bringing over um a documentary uh called soul and it's uh uh bass chef's uh journey to japan to work with hero and then go back to basque and open up his michelin star restaurant so we're going to show that at the art museum and have some uh some 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 stacks and kava and chocolate that night uh, that's going to kick it all off. And then uh, Friday will be a series of dinners throughout Portland. We have uh, five guest chefs coming in from Spain, Argentina, uh, uh, Miami. So with all the guest chefs, we'll spread them out to all the Spanish restaurants and do a series of dinners. Saturday will be a trade show. Um, we have the parking lot that's behind um, Plaza del Toro that will we'll transform into a, a you know a nice space. And uh, we'll have a little street feria, and then Plaza del Toro will be doing some demos and um, gin tonic contests and a vermouth hour and uh, celebrate all the products of Spain. And then on a Sunday, we have Director's Park and we're inviting, you know, the best chefs of Portland to uh, present bites of how Spain has influenced their cooking. Wow, that's fantastic. And what, do you have the restaurants set? Yeah, we have, uh, we, I, know, I know the big one is Bebo from Madrid is coming. And then, uh, and then the rest are just locking down. I, I hate to say, and, and go through there. We have about... 20 different chefs that want to come, but I, it's going to be some definitely some big, huge names. And then restaurants here, where the events are Oh, here, I know, I know uh, um, right now, uh, Philippe is going to be there from um, Achesa, Atulia, Confant, um, Ardenete. Um, so the ones I mentioned. Yeah, they're, all, they're all, all the ones in. you mentioned. Yeah, they're all in. And then uh, um, uh, Bonnie from... Um, uh, Kachka? Kachka is going to be there. Sorry. <laughs> that, that little place? Yeah, yeah. I just mentioned, yeah, I mentioned it. So funny when you're trying to mention all the names. But there's a, like I said, it's going to it's gonna be huge. There's a, uh, we, 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 we definitely are starting to get to the point where we're like, whoa, it's, you know, we're, we're, we want it to be small and boutique and, you know, we want to do it right. So we're trying, trying to keep it reeled in. We, you know, so many good ideas and everyone's excited for it. So, yeah. And it's not far away. So 
Um, if anybody wants an update, if you go on, there's already a website for it. You go on to uh, LaRutaPDX.com. You can you can see all the sponsors and who's involved as of lockdown already. And then pr- hopefully by next week we're going to announce everyone involved, and we'll have. Well, that's going to be in the past by the time everybody hears this. <laughs> so okay, yeah. this I think is early Mar- early May. Okay. So yeah, we're going to have tickets on sale probably hopefully May right around the first week of May. Okay, so right when this is, uh, yeah. right when you're hearing this right now, while uh, you're listening, <laughs> yeah. that's the beauty yeah. of this. Uh, you can go and check it out. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance offers the largest selection, fast delivery, professional installation, and live kitchens where you can try before you buy. Oregon-based and family-owned, setting the standard since 1947. Standard TV and Appliance is your place for quality Gen Air appliances and more. Portland Food Adventures. Imagine eating your way through Barcelona with Italo's Jose Chesa or Tuscany with Lardo and Grasa's Rick Gencarelli. Join right at the Fork host Chris Angelis with these great chefs in Europe this fall. Get more information under the blog tab at portlandfoodadventures.com where you can contact Chris directly. Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupans Markets. So um, I recently had the opportunity to have uh, eat at BYH Burgers. Yeah. I loved it. Thanks. It was great. And it's not. It it's exactly what you said. It takes you back to your childhood yeah. or what you wanted it to be because that you know I like In and Out Burgers that kind of style of right. burger. But I've always been you know a thick third of a pound, pat, you right. know, nice rare patty, a bun, and something simple. That was so nicely done. And it was so flavorful. Thanks. Thank you. It was good. So we, put a, we know we put a lot of energy in all our testing, you know, and that's, you know, with Plaza del Toro, that's, that is our test kitchen. So even when we are trying out new equipment, we, we, we move all the equipment out, we plug it in, we, you know, we go through it. Um, you know, we tested those burgers for a month straight of, of, you know. How do you get to that perfect burger? How does that? I, you know, I, I have a lot of theories on burgers. So I, you know, I think I have a few burgers that I feel like are perfect burgers in their category, but that particular burger, I, I really like the, uh, the, the 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 smash onto the griddle, it, it really gets the char. So, yeah, it gives it a little yeah, char. Yeah, and it cooks it fast and it you know, keep keeps it pretty moist. Corey, you and I need to go down. But to, you got to uh, you got to smash early. You got to if you let it get too warm, you actually smash out the fat. So you got to do it while it's still cold enough not to release the, you know the juices. Hmm. Yeah. And what else? So you got a great bun. Are you shipping in the bun from actually Philadelphia? Or oh yeah, yeah. Those are those are True Martin's rolls. And we you know we started doing bun testing, you know, locally and everything else. And you know, you you look it up, and you know, every every freaking chef test of buns always Martin's wins. And they're just it's funny. Drew, my my our chef partner over there, he, you know, he wanted a local bun so bad, and he really was he was upset when I first said I'm breaking in some Martin's to test, and then he ate the burger, and he's like, okay, you win. That's that's it. This so, is the best. So in this town, you couldn't. And I'm not really trying to challenge you, but it's yeah. just interesting that you couldn't take a Martin's bun to all these bakeries and say, get us, get I'll uh, say, I'll, do I'll, this. I'll say this. The, the first day we opened, Ken Forkish came over and he's like, what's your bun? And we said Martin's. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah that's it. That's the best. You know, like I think even. He maybe didn't I'm, even say you should have come to <laughs> me. No, no, no. He's just like, good choice. You know, like, yeah. 
Wow. So yeah. how do what how does what does that involve getting those here? How long are they fresh? Well, I'm we just got, curious because they, they come in. They actually they 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 freeze them over for shipping. So by the time I get them, they're 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 you know they they come in you know they they freeze they probably bake them, freeze them, ship them over. By the time I get them, they're slacking, and then we store them in the walk-in. And we if in the walk-in we can get about a week's, um, you know we feel comfortable about a week. So we just the first couple of weeks it took us a little 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 experimenting to get the numbers down, and now we're we're pretty locked and loaded. So are you? Do you have your eye on franchising BYH? Is that the whole idea, or, or really, growing it, or? Yeah. Or I can't imagine that you would have built that just to. I mean, honestly, I mean, I mean, honestly, we were just trying to, you know, that, the 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 Pine Street market was had its challenges for us, and you know, honestly, we were just trying to put the right concept in the right place when we did it, and so we'll see where it goes from here. So I gave you an opportunity. Yeah. So what are the challenges down there at Pine Street that from what you originally? So well, I think what, I think I think every business that you know, like with with Toro Bravo, let's say I'll compare. Toro Bravo was supposed to be a tapas bar. It was supposed to be a bar mostly, and it turned into a you know like we're we're still to the day fighting not being too much of a restaurant. You know, I was still keeping its rowdiness and being you know, you in know that and, respect. And I just think that like you know like you kind of go if you're a good operator, you kind of go with what the people want if you want to be successful. And you know, I think the vision of of Pine Street Market, especially with Thielen involved and what we, you know, the ideas was that it was going to be a high end European style food hall. And I don't think Portland was ready f- to go and have that experience at those price points in, in a food hall. And so we we all had a we all had a bend and mold to put the right concepts or you know or change our change our ideas a little bit to make it work. How long has it been open now? It's about a year. a year now. Yeah, it's been a year. So is it hitting its stride? Do you feel like you really know what? I mean, does everybody I mean, know. You know what I mean, like, I'll say this about you know, especially you go there Saturday or Sunday. It, it's the busy. You know, if you if you talk about it as a whole, there's not a busier restaurant in the city than Pine Street Market right now. You know, it's 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 jam packed. You know, majority of the time, doesn't mean that all the operators are. I mean, there's, there's very there's not there's not a lot of seats in there for the seven operators. I mean, really, I think I think it's just a little over a hundred. So you're you're talking, you know, each operator gets 10 to 20 seats each. That's not a lot. Well, yeah, but you're not allocated. Anybody you're can not, dom- yeah, right, you you're can right. dominate. You're, 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 you can, for sure. You can. But there are times when the seats are full and you can't put much more out either. Right. Yeah. I think it's, for me, you know, having been to Fennial Hall and places like that, for me, it's like indoor, better than indoor food carts. Yeah. No, I think, I think, I think, I think it's eat. a really fun environment. I, I you know, I... I, you know, it's it's it, it is what it is, and it's 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 fun, and it's good food, and it's it's a great place. To, you know, I see it as this where I'll bring. I don't I don't see. I, you know, I, my kids like it, so we go down there maybe once a month with the kids to eat, and you know, let them have a reign of the place. But it's uh you know, anytime someone visits me, we we go there right away because it's it's definitely unique. And where else are you going? As long as you mention that. When people visit you, they're obviously you're taking you make yeah. sure they're at one of your restaurants or right, two right. or three, but others in the city that you are. Yeah, you know, I've had some really great meals lately. I think XLB is really fun and doing really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I we, we you know when we get home, we tend to walk around our neighborhood. Uh, uh, Zila Sake, we love. Uh, Mike, I haven't been there in a long time since they have new ownership. Yeah, there. they're great. The new owner, like, he's really pushing it. Where did he um, come from? Do you know? He's been he's been there for a long time, but I mean he he went and like stage at Noma and a lot of other crazy places. I mean he's he's a he's definitely got skill. Got to get back there. Yeah, and then uh you know we go to my kids love bamboo sushi, 
that's one of their favorites. So we go to Bamboo a lot on on Alberta. Uh, you know, honestly, that's probably where we go the most. Not necessarily where I've taken out of out of state guests, but it's where my 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 kids that's they want to go there at least once a week. Oh, nice. Yeah. We did a uh, tartar crawl the other day, uh-huh. and we didn't get. I have to get to one of your one one of your places that we you, could get in. We had four people, and it was spur of the you moment. You got to do the so, tartar at Toro. It's it's we just Toro. put it on for the remodel to the remodel, and it's. So freaking good. Okay, that answers the lot, question. A lot, lot, lot of fun. Lot However, of fun. I don't know how easy it would have been. Well, first of all, it was, yeah, I don't know how easy it would have been on a spur of the moment to say, hey, let's get four people in to go. You can always do the standing table. Yeah, you can. You can get in there and just. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's what that's anytime? about. Anytime? Yeah. All right, good. Um, and uh, so what else do you have on the horizon? That's it? Are you going to relax a little bit? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we want to get this, this Spanish food festival is a big deal for us. Um we're also bringing in the, the the Spanish tourism board is doing um, a, a world tapas day, and we actually you know courted them to make Portland the, the the head city for the United States. So that's in June. Wow! So it'll be kind of like a, a dumpling that's, week kind of situation. Where, that, and by the way, does anybody do a lot of pinchos? Like they're sitting on the bars. Is that something that you wanted to do with Toro? Because you know, you that was that it. was never really my vision for Toro, but I you know Cheryl tried it at the when they, when she was with uh, Tabota. They did a little restaurant inside a Pasta Works on Hawthorne. I forget the name of it. And they tried, and you know, I, I don't know. It's just a. It's a. Personally, I I I'm, I don't even when I go to to San Sebastian, I don't order this. You know, unless I'm starving. I, I agree need, with you. I they're need never... a bite right away. I always go for the menu and get the real stuff. Right, and they're, they're that's what makes San Sebastian. That's what's. It's not. It's one of the things that makes San Sebastian yeah. different. But I find that that's not my favorite experience. No, There's, no, and I, I don't think most most people I know when I go eating with the Spaniards, they don't go get that either. They don't. It's just I kind of feel thing. like that's the tourist food, and then you order off the menu for the real stuff. So I may as well ask you: Do you think the fact that I have a, a pretty ironclad, st- strong stomach, the last two years oh. after I've been in San Sebastian, I've had massive problems? Really? Do you think that's? I've never have. From the pincho sitting out yeah, on the bar. Yeah, on the bar. sure, sure. I mean, you know, foodborne illness is real. You know, like there's a reason why I think food should, you know, like the health, the health department is like four hours. You know, that's that's the incubation time right. for, you know, bacteria. Those growth. are out there longer. Yeah, I, I yeah. know they are. I really enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. But that's my I've, in right. year. Now that I'm, next time I go back, I'm going to ha- remember yeah. this. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have that experience yeah, again. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've never had a problem. I, I, I have a pretty sensitive stomach. I get, you know, if, if something's going to set me off, it's usually me and the family that gets it. And uh, I've always done well there. We just went to Japan, and Renee's got an ironclad stomach. She never gets it, and I do. And we ate some pretty crazy stuff, and she ended up in the hospital like three days after we got she back. She did? Yeah. How do you get to a hospital in Japan? Uh, no, no, it was three days after we got back home. Oh, after, yeah, it, hit her, it hit her when we got home, yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, she, I mean, she was fine after you know, an IV and some antibiotics. She's fine, but... I think I remember. What was the most exotic thing you ate over there? Uh, chicken tartare. Oh, that's yeah, what it was, yeah. chicken tartare. So, Court, so, chicken some... tartare on your uh, on your agenda there someday? That's raw, I, yeah, raw no, chicken. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm processing this right now. I was... Yeah. Mm. You so here's my philosophy on something like that on a trip if you're gonna do it do it towards the end of your trip you know <laughs> who wants to be big who wants to be right. sick in a foreign get country yeah get adventurous like two. your last okay. few days yes the last few days but then you could be on the plane on the 18 yeah, hour plane you know, ride hey, coming back yeah you know hey you know <laughs> <laughs> i've been there I've been, I've been on that plane ride what's the most miserable 
trip you've ever had on uh, a plane after was, you've been somewhere. I have a massive allergy to macadamia nuts, and I got uh, I I got something co- contaminated at a in in Maui and ended up on that plane ride. Like it hit me right as I was getting on the plane. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, yeah. not fun. So, uh, any travel that you have in the next year that you're particularly yeah we're excited gonna about? Ba- back to Spain. Uh, I'm going to do. I haven't done a lot of southern Spain. I've I've been down there once, and it was just for a couple of days. And so, southern Spain uh, in August, and then hopefully a little side trip over to Morocco, and then uh, we're also talking about another trip to Israel. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't ask. So, how did you meet Ron? I did ask, and we never yeah. got there. So, Ron, that's a funny story, Ron. Uh, would eat at Simpatico's brunch all the time. We were doing the brunch, and he'd always bring a tea bag, cucumber, and a tomato. And we're always like, "Man, he's just, you know, he loved it. He loved it, loved it." But always like, you know, typical Ron, like you know, likes to make his own his own path in life. So one day he comes up to us. He's like, "Hey guys, I um, I'm, I'm doing culinary school, and I'm finishing up, and I'd, I'd love to work in your kitchen. I'll work for free." And so I gave him. I sat down with them, and I was like, "Ron." Um, uh, it's fine. We can do this, but you can't take. Uh, we have a small staff, and I was like, I, I can give you work, but if it ever takes anyone's hours away, I can't do that. I, I got everyone's got livelihood here, and that really spoke to Ron, and and the way he lives, and so he started working for us. And l- literally one night, um, uh, uh, Naomi and um, her ex, uh, Michael, Michael, they, Mike, yeah, they were eating in the dining room at Simpatica. And Ron was mopping the floors. And Michael looks at me and he goes, dude, you want to hear something funny? One of my main investors is mopping your floor right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know anything about Ron's past at that point, you know, what, what he'd done. So I'd asked him at that point when I found that out, we had needed a new HVAC system in Zapotica. So we had asked him for a small personal loan to, to, to update our HVAC system. And uh, can, you stop, can you stop mopping for a second yeah. and go to the bank? <laughs> so, you know, we, we paid him back in like three months. We, you know, rapidly. We had like a two-year term and paid him back in three months. And at that moment, he's like, just he's like everything that you embody and what you're doing in business, I'd love to be a partner with you if you ever want to do something. So when I sold Simpatica to do Toro, I called Ron up and I was like, I need a good partner. And we've, we've been... You've been like, very solid ever since. Yeah, you guys yeah. Are, I mean, we've had some moments. You know, we've had oh, a moment or two. I'm sure you're both passionate people. Yeah, right? yeah. It's not going to just go like, yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah, like but it, but never nothing that bad. You know, it's it's we've never had like a, you know, may, maybe where we didn't talk to each other for like two days, but <laughs> that's about it. Well, you know, yeah. you get back. He yeah. has been nothing but gracious. Oh, to I love me. the guy. He's the yeah, he's guy. like, yeah, he's definitely been a, a, a definitely a molding, you know, molded me on my life for sure. So, last question. Uh, who are the, if you had to go back and look at the biggest influencers on your life, the biggest influences, but the influence, the people who influence you the most, who would those be? Well, of, of the chef that I did my apprenticeship under Keith Pritchard in, in Williamsburg, Virginia, I actually got to see him like two years ago and just, we had a, we just had a blast, you know, it was so fun connecting with him again. Um, Bill Hatch from Xenon and Tim Washburn, they were, they were huge for me. Um, Mary Kay that owned Vion, uh, she, you know, just believed in me and helped me out and, you know, taught me how to run that business before I bought it from her. And what about then, Zephyro? Anybody at Zephyro? Was that a No, I mean, I really didn't really know those guys that much, you know. Um, I, I, and then I'd say, you know, definitely Ron. You know, Ron's definitely, you know, he, he's, he's kind of pulled out the best of me. And he's also, is he not one of the main influences in Mediterranean? Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, and then, you know, honestly, as I say that too, and it's funny, how sometimes a student can teach the teacher, but Casey Mills, you know, my partner for MEC, mm-hmm. 
and um and shalom y'all he's just you know we we've grown up together well good and who anybody in the organization now who has come of age in the last year or two that oh, a uh, lot so many you know uh jamal our, our bartender from uh, mec and he's a partner with us now uh drew sprouse who's at byh you know he's been with us nine years and he's a partner now and mindy cook our, our wine director um, she's been with us like nine years, definitely growing up. You know, she's, she's become amazing. She's a force to be reckoned with in the wine world. Um, you know, Renee, you know, R- Renee is, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you didn't, if you didn't bring up yeah, Renee, yeah. then there was going to be, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, then I think also becoming a, a better, you know, you know, boss, r- you know, owner, entrepreneur, my children, you know. Children really teach you patience. Uh huh. Yeah. And I think you need to do that when yeah. you've got yeah. so many high pressure businesses yeah. going. And I might mention that in the context of what you just talked about, the reason you told me you started uh, Tasting Sons years ago was to give everybody uh, a room to grow. Yeah. And you're, uh, yeah. From Toro. And yeah. that has continued to happen. So it, yeah. it, it makes sense that when I just asked you who has come into their own, there are a lot of them because it yeah. has just blossomed yeah. Yeah. since then. So definitely. Um, so great. Thank you. It's Thanks. great to have you here. Thank it's you. always good to hang out Thanks. with you. I had the time of my life last year in Madrid. That was, fun. That was a fun time. Uh, that was a blast. I was, I'll just talk quickly, tell the story. So I finished our trip to, um, uh, to, uh, Barcelona and to San Sebastian. I get to Madrid. This was my time to chill out. I'm literally have announced to myself and to Facebook, I'm going to bed at nine o'clock and, uh, you saw that. And said, hey, come join us. And um, I had to get out of bed, take a cab to, I don't know where where it was, which at the time, I didn't know what the restaurant was. And uh, I think I got home at like 4 or 5 in the morning, which was not what I had in mind. And we that was had a fun a, night. We had a really good time. I uh, I was the oldest guy in that club that, That's okay. where we went. It was awesome. Especially I had a good when time. you had was, the seats we had. Oh, we had the VIP seats <laughs> yeah. in the back. That was fun. So thank you. Let's do yeah. that. Let's make a point of doing yep. that. Uh, something like it. Not exact same thing, but something yep. like it again. And uh, thanks for that experience. Thanks for the experience of you being here today. Thank Appreciate you. It. Definitely. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right at the Fork.